Welcome to the SYA podcast, giving you teachings from the young adult ministry of Shepherd Church, where it's our mission to lift up Christ that the world might believe. We have different gatherings throughout the month. For more info, go to wearesya.com and follow us on Instagram at wearesya. Well, hello, Shepherd Church. Welcome, everybody. I love seeing all your smiling faces. My name is Ruby Kedney, and I'm just so excited to get to spend some time with you tonight. So thank you for having me here. I love Shepherd Church. I'm the Connections Coordinator here at Shepherd, and I truly believe that I have the best job in the world. And I know everyone says that, like, I love my job, I have the best job, but no, like, I really have the best job in the world. I get to work here at Shepherd and help people that are new to the church, but also just new to Jesus, help them take the next steps in their faith. So if we haven't met before, I would love to meet you. I'm usually hanging out here on Thursday nights in the lobby or over at the info counter with those great girls. So come introduce yourself, would love to meet you. I'm also married to an amazing man named Cole. You'll see him right up here. If you see a guy walking around, you know, with the long, luscious curls, he's got better hair than me, like for real. His hair is always looking good. I love the long hair and the man bun, but that's Cole. We've been married for about three years now and he's just the best. I love that guy. We met when we were living thousands of miles away from each other. So I lived here in Southern California and he lived all the way in Kansas. But we dated long distance the whole time, eventually got married. It is a wild story, another story that I could share with you another time about God's faithfulness in our lives. Now another thing you should know about me before we begin is I am obsessed with our dog. Okay, like when I tell you I'm obsessed, like my whole camera roll is pictures of our dog. This is Champ, this is our two-year-old golden doodle. He's like my baby, so I'm not ashamed to admit it. Any other dog people out there, you know. They are your child. Yeah, we got some dog lovers in the house, okay. So that's Champ, I'm obsessed with Champ. But let's go ahead and dive into our series today. We are on week four of 30 Minutes with Jesus. And since we started this series a few weeks ago, I've been thinking about this concept of 30 minutes. 30 minutes is about enough time to do a load of laundry, right? You could start the laundry, you could get it going. 30 minutes is enough time to maybe read three or four chapters of a book. 30 minutes is enough time to order and drink one strawberry acai refresher from Starbucks, which is another one of my obsessions. 30 minutes is enough time to drive about five miles in LA traffic, right? maybe like five, maybe four. 30 minutes is enough time to watch one episode of your favorite TV show on Netflix. And while all these are great, these are good ways to spend 30 minutes, but 30 minutes with Jesus, as we have learned, is enough time for a life-changing encounter. Jesus can do in 30 minutes what we could not do in 30 days or 30 years. And that is what we're gonna discover today as we spend 30 minutes with Jesus and learn about the encounter with the hopeless man. Now today, our text is gonna be found in the book of Luke, chapter 23. So if you brought your Bible, go ahead and pull that out. If you have a phone, pull it up on your phone. Just resist the urge you know, to post about how awesome Shepherd is right now, how much you love it and how great our worship team was. Pull out your phones, it'll also be up here on the screens and you can follow along with me. We'll pick up in Luke chapter 23, starting in verse 32. Two other men, both criminals, were also led out with him to be executed. When they came to the place called the Skull, they crucified him there, 
along with the criminals. One on his right, the other on his left. Jesus said, Father, forgive them for they do not know what they are doing. And they divided up his clothes by casting lots. The people stood watching and the rulers even sneered at him. They said, he saved others, let him save himself if he is God's Messiah, the chosen one. The soldiers also came up and mocked him. They offered him wine vinegar and said, if you are the king of the Jews, then save yourself. There was a written notice above him which read, this is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him. Aren't you the Messiah? Then save yourself and us. But the other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God, he said, since you are under the same sentence? We are punished justly for we are getting what our deeds deserve. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when I come into your kingdom. Jesus answered, truly I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. As we see this picture of Jesus, we have to know that Jesus was forsaken. He was alone in this moment. This was just one week after Palm Sunday. So just seven days ago, people were flooding the streets, they were singing praises, they were waving their palm leaves, they were just having an all out celebration, welcoming Jesus into town. Now, just seven days later, find Jesus at his lowest. Isn't it interesting how hope and grief can often go hand in hand? Our most joyous moments in life can also be followed by the most saddening and maddening. Jesus is no stranger to that feeling. Our fans can quickly become our critics. If you've ever had that happen to you, people who are supposed to be for you then turning on you, I just want you to know that Jesus is no stranger to that feeling. Once we start spending time with Jesus, you will see that he was not treated fairly. He was often misunderstood, often mocked and laughed at. But even when Jesus was treated unfairly, he never stopped bringing hope and healing to others. Now something else Jesus endured, he was forsaken, but Jesus was also flogged and beaten. It says, then Pilate took Jesus and had him flogged. Now, flogging was a severe punishment used in Rome by whipping and beating. Pastor Dudley shared a story about the boxer Manny Pacquiao. Manny is a dedicated follower of Jesus and he even attends Shepherd Church. Now, if you've ever seen a Manny Pacquiao fight or you have ever seen a boxing match, you can picture it in your head right now. Those images stay with us. Oftentimes the fighters have a black eye or they're just covered in blood. Teeth are missing cuts and scrapes and bruises all over them. And it's honestly, it's, it's hard for me to watch them. It's that brutal looking at them after the fight and I get cringy when I see it. Now growing up, one of my mom's favorite movies was Rocky. So we grew up watching a lot of Rocky, okay? Probably at least once a year, we'd sit down, you know, we all gotta watch Rocky. And you know, you know the song, right? The famous soundtrack for Rocky. As he's running up the stairs. Okay, I'll stop. I'm not a good singer. But you know the song, famous soundtrack. So I remember watching Rocky and this scene is always stuck in my head, okay? This is the famous 
scene where Rocky's in his match. He goes over for his water break on the side and his eye is so badly swollen shut that he can't even see out of it. So he looks over to his trainer, Mick, and he says those lines, cut me, Mick. And Mick, his trainer, actually cuts him and he cuts his eye open so he can see again and finish his match. And it's still, I mean, it just gives me goosebumps to this day thinking about that brutal scene. Now, Jesus' flogging was, was way worse than that. You have to know, he was beaten so badly and severely that he was almost unrecognizable. And the purpose of this flogging was to get an admission of his crime. They wanted him to admit he had done something wrong. Now, when I was younger, I remember hiding something bad that I had done from my parents. When I was younger, our parents made us put our cell phones down in the kitchen to charge at night. So we didn't have them in our rooms, so we couldn't be texting, and we had to plug them in. Now, when I was in middle school, I was not the biggest fan of that because I wanted to stay up late, texting my friends, checking in on them. But now as an adult, I look back and I'm so thankful they did that and it just kept me out of a lot of trouble. But anyway, my mom pulls me aside one morning and she says, hey Ruby, were you on your phone when you weren't supposed to be last night? And I remember guys, in that moment, I thought I had the best poker face. I was like, I'm gonna convince her, like she is not gonna get through to me. And I'm like, no, totally didn't. Was not on my phone at all. Now what I failed to remember is that it actually shows when I sent the text, right? <laughs> it actually says the time. So my mom had proof that I had been texting past my time. So she keeps asking me. She's trying to give me a little bit of time to admit, give my admission of guilt. Finally, she shows me the proof on the phone and I just break down crying. I'm apologizing for lying to her and regretting my decision. But you see, the difference between my story of being guilty there and Jesus is that Jesus wasn't guilty of anything. He had nothing to admit. In verse 41, the man next to Jesus says, we are punished justly for we are getting what our deeds deserve. But this man, Jesus, has done nothing wrong. Jesus was sinless, completely pure. But yet he stood there and he took the beating the flogging. Then Jesus was led to be crucified. He was nailed to a cross and you gotta know no one ever survived crucifixion. This was final. And crucifixion is like nothing we can comprehend in our world today. It was the most painful, excruciating and humiliating way to die. It was reserved only for the worst of criminals. And Rome didn't just crucify people for petty crimes or just for anything. They only crucified people who they deemed as a threat to the empire. And here is what I want you to know today. This is something I hope that you never, never, never forget. That Jesus did that for you. He endured being forsaken, being flogged and crucified for you because he loves you. And you might be sitting there in your seat right now thinking, Ruby, okay, you mean the person next to me or you mean someone else in this room. No, I mean you. And you're saying, no, you, you don't know what I've done though. You don't know. Listen, it's true. I don't know everyone in here and everything about your life, but Jesus does. 
and he knows everything that you've done, everything you ever will do before he got up there and died for you. And I know that there is nothing that you've ever done, currently doing, or ever will do that will make Jesus stop loving you. He went to that cross for you and for me. I love this quote by an author and pastor that I love. His name's Tim Keller. In his book, Remembering Christ on the Cross, he says this. If he wouldn't abandon you when hell itself was coming down on him, and if he didn't separate his love from us, you think you're having a bad week is gonna do it? If someone's going to spend a billion dollars on your present, do you think they're gonna skimp on the wrapping paper? This is the love you've been looking for all your life. Have you been searching for that love, that great love? Have you been looking for that one true soulmate? Maybe you've jumped from relationship to relationship trying to find that kind of love. But maybe 30 minutes with Jesus will introduce you to that love that you have been longing for. Now, when we see Jesus hanging on the cross, we can't neglect that there was two other people beside him. Jesus was placed between two criminals. He had one on his left, one on his right. Now, these criminals were held to the cross by nails, but Jesus was held to the cross by love. It's almost impossible to wrap our minds around what these criminals might have been feeling in that moment. But I do know it was definitely the lowest moment of their lives. Life was not good. They were not in a good situation. I also know that that's true for us, right? When life is good, we feel like God is good, right? Things are going well, you're healthy, your family's doing good, God's good. But when life is not good, we feel like God's not good. And if we're not careful, it's very easy for our disappointment with life to become disappointment with God. I've been there, and I'm sure many of you have before too. When you don't get that job that you've been working so hard for, when you lose someone you love, when everyone else in life seems to be doing good except for you, and eventually, we become tempted to think that God isn't good because we are equating our life experiences with God. Now, this was the case for the man on the cross to the left of Jesus. He found himself condemned to death on a cross. And we don't know much about this man. Our text doesn't even tell us his name. It doesn't tell us his age. But we do know that his life experiences and his choices led him to this moment to be on a cross next to Jesus. And he probably felt like God had abandoned him. But then he heard Jesus open his mouth and Jesus say these words, Father, forgive them for they know not what they are doing. And I truly believe in that moment, the man on the cross next to Jesus, he knew that Jesus was truly the savior. And he cries out to Jesus with his, his precious breath and says, remember me when you come in to your kingdom. Now, it would have been incredibly difficult for them to speak in their condition, but they chose to anyway. One man chose to use his precious breath to hurl insults at Jesus. 
One man chose to use his last words to ask Jesus for forgiveness. That's when Jesus says, truly I tell you, today you'll be with me in paradise. What if this is true for our lives too? What if your life experiences have left you broken, but not God? Truly, I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. Now, this word paradise has been used throughout the years to translate to things like wonderful place, garden, park, but eventually came to be translated to heaven or the blessed dwelling place where the righteous live. Now, paradise is paradise because the presence of God dwells there. That's what makes it paradise. And as we see this man on the cross realizing this crucial moment for him, that Jesus is our savior. We should have been on that middle cross. You and I, we should have been there. And I hate to break it to you tonight, but we don't get to heaven just for being a good person, right? We don't get to heaven just because you tip really well at restaurants. I mean, that's great, you're a good tipper, but that doesn't get you to heaven. You don't go to heaven because you pick up trash whenever you see it on the street. That's great, keep doing it. That's not gonna get you to heaven. You're not gonna get to heaven because you have the perfect, curated, aesthetic Instagram feed, right? Like it's perfect, it looks so pretty in all the colors. That's not gonna get you to heaven. Only the grace of Jesus saves us and brings us to heaven one day. Jesus is our savior. And when Jesus comes, he comes to bring hope to the hopeless. Like we talked about earlier, there were three crosses with three different men. Jesus in between two criminals. Now we have this first cross over here on the right. We've got this cross over here. This one represents rebellion. This man, this criminal on the cross chose to rebel, to hurl insults, to mock, to laugh at Jesus. Then over here, we've got our middle cross. This is the cross of Jesus. And this is the cross of redemption. Because Jesus brings hope and redemption through his death, which by the way, is not normal, right? Death doesn't normally bring hope and healing, but Jesus did. And then lastly, over here, we've got our last cross. And this is the cross of repentance. You see, we see in our text that this man repents and he says, Jesus, please bring me to your kingdom. And he chooses to ask Jesus for forgiveness. So as you're sitting here today, I want you to think to yourself, what cross am I on? Are you maybe over here? You're in a season of rebellion. Maybe you've laughed at Jesus. You felt forsaken. You've left feeling really lonely and you honestly just don't wanna do anything with him. You've pushed him away. Or maybe you're over here, you find yourself on this cross, on the cross of repentance. And you're ready today to say, Jesus, I'm done trying to do this on my own. I need you. Maybe it's the first time ever. Or maybe you've been a Christian your whole life and you say, man, I need to get back with Jesus. Which cross 
do you find yourself on today? Are you willing to take the leap of faith and surrender to God despite what life has handed to you and thrown at you? It's tempting to take our disappointment with life and turn it into disappointment with God. But let me tell you, turning to God despite life's disappointments is one of the most freeing feelings. And I want that for you. You may be thinking, Ruby, this is great, this is great and all, but it's, it's really, it's too late for me. You don't know what I've done. I have done so much wrong. I am just way too far from saving. But I wanna tell you today, it's not too late for you. We see the man on the cross use his last breaths to reach out to Jesus and Jesus welcomed him in with open arms. So if you have breath in your lungs tonight, it is not too late for you. When I was a little girl, I remember coming here to Shepherd Church and we came to see the Passion Play. If you've ever been to the Passion Play, you know how awesome that is. We came, we were sitting down. I remember I was sitting on an aisle seat and as I'm sitting there, I'm watching the play, the animals were coming up and down the aisles and I'm just in awe as a little girl. And then we pile on in the car, everyone packs up, we're getting ready to go home. We get on the freeway. We're on the freeway, we're driving home and I just start to cry. I mean, I'm just crying uncontrollably. My mom says, Ruby, what's wrong? What's going on? And I can't calm down. I'm just keep flowing the tears. So my mom finally pulls over the car and she says, okay, Ruby, what is going on? Let's calm you down. And I just let out the words, I don't wanna die. And my mom says, oh, Ruby, well, you'll get to be with Jesus. Now this did not make me stop crying. I just cried more and more and more, made me more emotional. And I said, well, how long do I have to be up there? And she says, oh, you get to be with Jesus forever. And I said, no, 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 no. How long do I have to be up there on the cross? And my mom looked at me. She said, oh, Ruby, you don't have to be on the cross. Jesus paid that price for you. And friends, he paid that price for you too. You don't have to be up there on the cross because Jesus stepped in and took your place because of his great, deep love for you. Now, if you're sitting here right now, maybe you feel like your heart's like kind of doing one of these. It's like racing right now. I wanna ask you to lean into that. What cross are you on? Be honest with yourself. Maybe you wanna make a decision today to follow Jesus. Or you just, you wanna ask questions. This is the first time you're hearing about this Jesus guy. Seems a little weird, that's okay. I have some friends right over here, right by the baptistry, that'll be there to talk to you after the service. They would love nothing more than to sit and to talk with you, answer your questions, pray with you, and just be with you. So I'd encourage you to stay and do that. Now also, we have two friends tonight that have already made this decision. They've already decided, they said, I wanna jump all in, I wanna follow Jesus. So after, we're gonna have two baptisms to celebrate them. Yeah, you can clap for them, come on. Let's give it up for those two ladies that we're gonna have today. So I would love to invite you to stay for that. 
How awesome would it be if our whole community was just here cheering them on? So if you wanna stay after service, they'll be right over here. They would love to see you as we just cheer them on for the best decision they could ever make. But more than anything today, as you leave tonight, more than anything, I just hope that you know and you could grasp just a little bit of how deep Jesus' love for you is. And maybe you're hearing that for the first time. Or maybe you've heard it all your life and tonight you needed that reminder. Either way, Jesus loves you. And he's waiting for you with open arms. Would you stand with me as we close and pray together? And if you'd like to talk about those next steps of faith, please lean into that and meet my friends over here afterwards and we would love to pray with you. But let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you for this time together. Thank you for your goodness that you endured being forsaken, flogged and crucified for us. May we never forget your great and mighty love for us. I pray over each heart in here tonight that they would lean into how you're talking to them, that they would just lean into your voice and feel your comfort, your peace, and most importantly, your great deep love for them. We love you, Lord. We thank you for tonight. In your name we pray, amen. Thank you guys. Have a great night. We'll see you guys next week. Thanks for listening to the SYA podcast. Be sure to connect with us on Instagram at wearesya.